We've been working through the series of holy habits. We've been looking at the practices that draw us into the ways of Jesus. And I am doing the third part of a, a mini series, I guess we did at the end on prayer. So a number of weeks ago, Dan spoke to us on the idea of abiding and of being in the vine. And from there we find our life. And then Ryan took us two beautiful metaphors that I loved um, about prayer as an anchor and prayer as a kite. And that has really stayed with me and I've, I've kind of renamed it in my head, dig deep and fly high. Because sometimes I need to dig deep and sometimes I need to fly high and do spiritual warfare and prayer is both of those. And this morning what I want to do is take us into the solid grounding life-giving practice of prayer and the spiritual warfare, but also the discipline of hearing God's voice. And so I've entitled it, Speak Lord for Your Servant Hears. Um, about 10 years ago, we were on a, a family holiday in Italy and we went to Assisi for the day and we walked the paths of St. Francis and the, the peace was palpable in the whole place. And we went to the cathedral and we sat through a mass, which is not something that young kids tend to want to do in 40 degrees of Italian heat, but we did it. And uh, on the way out, Arthur, who was about 11 at the time, said to me, Mom, I love that. We've got it all wrong. I said, really? And he said, yes. We need to talk less and listen more. And that stayed with me. And if all you take from this morning is talk less and listen more. That is the start of the practice of listening prayer. That is the start of living in a continual conversation with your father. Henry Nguyen describes it so beautifully when he says, listening to the voice of the one who calls us his beloved. Wherever you are this morning, he looks at you and he says, you are my beloved. And I wanna come back to that later. It's a privilege for me to speak on this because it's all about relationship and that is what I love about it. It is a two-way thing. There is no mystery to it. It is not for the really holy ones amongst us. It is a natural outworking of our relationship with a good father and us to live free as that. It is our identity as his beloved that will transform us and will bring his presence to the world. And our world, if we were ever in any doubt, our world is longing for a connection to the creator in the here and now. We just need to sit and look at the BBC News to realize that. And so as we are the presence carriers flowing out of a relationship with a good father, we carry the presence to the city, to the nations and to the world. I love our welcome every week in this community where we talk about the believer, the doubter, the lover and the skeptic. And I've tried to be mindful of all of those positions as I've sought God for today and I've prepared for this preach. I hope to offer something to all of you wherever you are today, wherever you are in your journey and trust that today there will be something that will offer you the opportunity to move forward, fo forward and further into living free as the beloved. I want to take a moment, just as we begin, I want to invite you all to pause and reflect and think, what is my relationship with this idea that God speaks? What does that actually mean to me? Am I completely, yep, I'm, I, I'm all over it? 
Do you wonder, are you good enough? Would he speak to you? Where are you on the journey? And I just want to now engage with the Spirit who is already here and is already working and say, we give you our yes. Come and have your way. Come and enlighten us, turn up the volume on our capacity to hear you. That still small voice, let us know that we know we hear you and that you are in the business of transforming us and therefore transforming the world. So that's where I want us to begin. I'm also very aware that there may be some of you here in this gathering who carry wounds from perhaps harm that has happened to you in the name of God speaking. And I want to be very respectful of that. It may have come through poor theology or poor practice and I I want to be sensitive to that and realize that that does happen and that there's healing there and that instead of taking that wound and deciding it's not for me, it doesn't happen, I invite you to start on a journey of healing and restoration so that you can reinvigorate yourself. In a world where we're obsessed with control and anxiety is often in the very air that we breathe, I love this this beautiful quote from Esther Duval when she talks about the ways of St. Benedict. At the top of the ladder of listening prayer is the serenity that comes from accepting that God is in charge of my life and as a result, I am finally free. How many of us live free and as the beloved? How many of us feel peaceful no matter what? And I would suggest that us digging into this practice of listening to God and hearing his voice would allow us to somehow let go of the reins of control and allow him to be the one who is over and in and around us all. I actually wanted to read the verses from Samuel, so I'm going to do that now. I have purposely not put them up because I guess I'm just wanting us to think about listening today, so I'm going to read to you. So it's from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Eli was the high priest and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord and while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here am I, because you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call, go and lie down. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And, God, and he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And as the Lord called Samuel again the third time, he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And he said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak Lord for your servant hears. 
And then the Lord spoke and gave a prophecy that was actually very specific to Eli. And many years ago, when I was starting on this journey of understanding how God speaks, I heard a woman teach on it called Sharon Stone, not the actress. And, uh, and she said that there was a movie many years ago, there's probably not that many of us in the room are old enough to remember it, and it was The Ten Commandments. And uh, Charlton Heston, I had to look to Stephen there to remember, Charlton Heston played Moses, and Moses went to the mount and, the, and God spoke to him. And the voice of God in that movie was Charlton Heston's. And she said to me, or she said to me, hundreds of us who were there learning. She said, that was a prophetic teaching. They didn't mean to, the movie makers didn't mean to make it that, but when God speaks to you, he, you will hear him in your voice, in your thoughts. You won't hear a big booming voice. So if you're sitting this morning thinking, I don't hear him, tune in and listen. It is your own voice and your own thoughts that you're gonna hear. And that has stayed with me and I found that so helpful. 30 years ago, I moved to London and I was a pretty naive 22-year-old and uh, I joined a community of believers, of Jesus followers, who when I look back on it, really lived as the acts. They shared food, they shared money, they shared whatever we needed and, and they opened me up to the idea that God speaks. And I had an Eli in um, my friend Naz. We're still friends 30 years later. He's an Iraqi Christian. And he, through our friendship, encouraged me, challenged me, and stretched me. And I want to say that at the outset today, that if this is all new to you or you're wondering about it, find yourself your Eli. You need an Eli to stand with you and teach you. And if you can't find one, talk to one of us in leadership. We will get you your Eli. We will do that for you because you need to have someone who will encourage you and mentor you in this. And so at that stage, Naz really challenged me and pushed me a bit. And it was a bit uncomfortable, if I'm honest. Um, and he used to speak and he would say things to me that were heart-wrenchingly on the money. They could only have come from God. And he offered them in the most, check this out, see how it goes, see what it feels like. And that is a biblical principle. Discern the word that is given to you. Don't just accept it. Discern it, check it out, live in community, test it, and make sure it's real, and then walk in it. So anyway, at that stage, we had very good friends, Dave and Sabina. Sabina was from a Muslim background. She had become a Jesus follower and her family had cut her off. She was dead to them. And one morning I woke up and I felt God say to me, tell her I'm gonna give her back her family. And uh, I thought, not likely. I ain't saying that. That's too big, that's too scary, that's too sore. I can't risk that. And so for three weeks, Three weeks I wrestled it. I talked to Stephen, I talked to God, I thrashed it out, and I could get no peace. And so I eventually, I said, Sabina, we need to talk. And I told her what I felt God said, and that was obviously very sore. The next morning she went into the tube station that she always went to on her way to work, and she was buying her ticket, and from the side walked out her dad. And he said, Sabina, we need to talk. And they went for coffee. And they talked and he said, Sabina, for three weeks I have sat in that tube station and I've seen you every morning. But for some reason, 
today was the day that I decided to speak to you. I learned a lot through that and I'm gonna come back to that because that was a, God used that experience for me and I think it offers us something of learning to walk in the prophetic lifestyle. Dallas Willard has this great quote, hearing God, a daring idea, some would say, presumptuous or even dangerous, but if what if we were made for it? What if the human system simply will not function without it? There are good reasons to think it will not. Is it not more presumptuous and dangerous to undertake human existence without hearing God? If we look at the story of God, it's a love story. It is a God, a father who is in relentless pursuit of his children. From the story of Adam and Eve walking in the garden and talking with God through Moses, the prophets, Samuel, to Jesus at the start of his ministry. The theme is of a father who is in love with his children and wants to be in conversation. So you don't need to question, does God speak? He does. It is in the design. It is how he wants it to be. We were created as unceasing spiritual beings who are invited into an intimate and transforming relationship with our creator. Mike Bickle puts it so well. I am loved by God and I am a lover of God and therefore I am successful. The Holy Spirit is in us and communes with us and with the Father. And what builds the intimate relationship with God is coming to him confident in who we are in our identity as the adopted children of a good father, taking off our masks and being real and vulnerable before him. Eugene Peterson in his book on the Psalms talks about the raw and honest and brutal petitions to God that these represent. And this model reminds us that vulnerability is at the heart of intimacy. And if we embrace it and stay vulnerable, our relationship with the Father will deepen. From the prophet Isaiah to the followers of Jesus, the teachings of Paul, the message has been the same. Discern the things of God and discern the mind of God. And as Jesus followers, we get to know the mind of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to read how people were trying to hear God in 1 Kings. Mm -hmm. And I haven't got the right chapter, so I'm going to leave it. What happened in 1 Kings was they were looking for the storm, they were looking for the loud, and what it came as was the still, small voice. The still, small voice. And if you're going to hear a still, small voice, you need to practice silence. How many of us sit comfortably in silence? How many of us sit without our phones, without our earpods in, without all that stuff? I have really felt challenged in that, and I've, I've wondered about the time I waste thinking and talking and listening when I should be in silence. And if I talked less and listened more, perhaps I would transform myself. I want to read from Luke, because if we think of the story of God and how God has continually been in conversation with his people, I want to look at the outset of Jesus' ministry. God gave us a profound message highlighting Jesus' belovedness. It says in Luke 3, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven 
You are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. If Jesus needed that, how much more do we need it in all of our mess and all of our brokenness? And the model that Jesus gave us for hearing, I feel, is is the one that we should follow. He prayed to the Father and he used the word Abba. He created a life where the daily pattern is set of praying and listening. If we go to Luke 4, he retreated and he fasted to seek God. We leave productivity behind and we seek intimacy. Later on in Luke 4, when the devil tempted him, he responded with the word of God. So when you're under the kosh, as I like to call it, if you don't know your Bible, if you don't know the spoken word of God, this is the primary way that he speaks to us. You, you will not be able to do the, the spiritual battle. So we need to intentionally spend time in the word, reading it, memorizing it, thinking it, because that is the primary way that God has spoken, as well as the ongoing relationship he has with us. The spirit will never contradict the revelation of the character and the purposes of God set out in the Bible. So know your theology and know your scripture. These practices help us to hear his voice above all the chatter, and it also helps us to discern. No prophetic, encouraging word will ever contradict what is in here. You will never hear from God something that goes against this. You know, I work as a therapist, and years ago I worked with a woman who was having an affair, and she came to me and said, God has told me to leave my husband and take up with exhibit B. And I said, I wouldn't have thought so. And she said, no, no, he has. I heard it clearly. And although therapists are supposed to join you and accept what you say, you can also call out the nonsense. And I said, no, there are, there are reasons why you can leave your husband and they're biblical, but these are your thoughts because that contradicts the word of God. So if someone gives you some word and you think that is not what I read, that is not what I know of the heart of God, You don't need to take it on. You can discern it and test it. And also, when you're trying to practice this, it's important that you practice and do it in relationship and community. When I was learning, Naz and I spent many a night talking this all out and me questioning and wondering, and do it in relationship. That is also the way to do it. Mike Maharg, Science Mike, explains how lightning happens. There's a very specific set of circumstances necessary, and if they all collide at the one time, the charge come and lightning happens. Now, I'm not saying you hear from God in that kind of way, but there are practices that you can do to maximize the opportunity. Silence, fasting, praying, reading the word. Those, are all, those will all create the context in which you will hear the Father. Listen with expectation and learn to tune out the chatter. Taking risks and journal, that is another beautiful way to do it. Write down what you feel God has spoken to you and then you can go back and see, did that happen? And that is faith building for yourself and for others. Jordan Peterson tells us to practice what you want to become. That way you actually change the architecture of your brain. You do it in community, you take risks, you make mistakes, that's okay. You know your word and you seek space. I, I wanted to 
we all have our own way of hearing God as well as the, the spoken thought and the word. I've put up behind me, I hope you can see it. It'll come up now. All the different ways. There's pictures, visions, dreams, pictures, impressions, a sensation in the body, a song, a messenger, signs and wonders. And sometimes we're just struck down and we can't do anything but lie and listen. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's a beautiful thing. There's all the references there. It would take us all day to go through them. But I wanted to ground them in the Bible. I wanted to remind us that when you get that feeling all over your body, it's in here, so it's right. When you get that vision and that picture, it's in here, so it's right. And that's why I wanted to put that down. When you hear the voice of God and you hear that still small voice, you need to discern it. So I've touched on this already. It lines up and it's congruent with scripture. It is congruent with the fruits of the spirit. It brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Not the kind of fortune cookie things that some of us may have lived through back in the day where people might have said things that were less than perhaps helpful. It will always line up with scripture and with the fruits of the spirit. It will always bring glory to God and it will always motivate you to dive deeper and to move forward and it's always about character development because we are constantly being molded into the way of Jesus and into the practice of Christ. Confirm it within your community and wait to see the fruit. Go deeper and be hungry and persist. So we all have our own unique way of hearing from God and we all have our own filters and you need to know your filter. And going back to that story I told you at the beginning about Sabina, what I learned from that was when God speaks, it's never gonna be about me. I made it about me. I put my own feelings of what it might be like for her, but it wasn't about me. It's never about me. It is always about him and it's always about us trusting him and being intimate and vulnerable. And it will always be about bringing him glory. And those lessons I learned in that, because if her dad had come out and spoken to her the first day he stood in the tube station, she would never have known that this was something God had promised her and that it was about him and his glory. So for some reason, that man stayed rooted to the spot for three weeks till I finally got it together and did what God had told me to do. So there's something in that and I think it's worth thinking about. David Fitch, I've I've mentioned it before when I preach and I love his beautiful book about being the faithful presence. And I guess that is what all of this is about. He decided one year that instead of... um, he would just work in McDonald's every Tuesday. He would simply sit there on his laptop. And he said, I decided not to see the place as souls that needed saved. I decided to look at the place as a vibrant arena where God is present. And I paid attention to every person and what God was doing. I became so enmeshed in a network where God was working in people's lives and I got swept up into it. I had never been invited to so many lives and with them we encountered God together. I participated in God's work and learned how to be faithfully present to his presence. We can bring the shalom of heaven 
by living a prophetic life and being available. We can be the, pr the presence carriers to those around us. Any of you who have ever had a child in your life might remember how they go through a period where they like to wear a plaster. You know that period where there's maybe a wound that's not actually visible to the naked eye, but they still need a plaster? And being a very sensible mum, I'd have been like, stuff and nonsense, you don't need a plaster. And then I learned that it wasn't about the wound, it was about the response. So when they had a plaster on, everybody was like, oh my goodness, what's going on, you little darling? And they got something. And then they outgrew that need to get that need met. And I think to myself, we are surrounded by people and if only we could see the plasters that they are wearing, if only we could see the needs that are there, how will we do that? By being in continual communion with him and giving of ourselves to a broken world. I reckon we'll get invited into people's need for a plaster, need for the presence, need for Jesus. If we stop listening to him, St. Benedict said, we are likely to pass by God without even noticing him. If we stop listening. So you all know that I am a family therapist and I work with young people. And very often the young person is in with a, a serious enough disorder and we decide that they need family therapy. And so the family will all come and they'll all sit in the room and they'll tell me all the things that are wrong with the girl and this is why we're here and blah, 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 blah. And my job is to take the lens off that person and widen it out and get the family to think about the quality of their relationships, their communication, the power issues, all of that. I'm not going to teach you how to be a family therapist because you don't all need to do that. But I have been thinking about that this week as I've prepared for this preach. And I have thought, and it's weighed in my heart, that if the symptom is that you can't hear from God, then let's widen the lens out and go back and focus on your relationship. Because with families, when we start to do that beautiful work, the symptoms sort themselves out every time. That is why work is rewarding. And so this morning, if you're here, there's two areas that I want us to respond to because they have been heavy on my heart this week. And I wonder, are they, are they giving you a block in hearing from God? And one of them is unforgiveness. One of them is unforgiveness. Is there someone or something? And unforgiveness, let's not get this wrong. Choosing to forgive is not saying it was okay or it should have happened. It's never that, but it's setting yourself free. And so as we begin to come to at the end and to respond, I want to invite you to start to think, are there people that you are choosing not to forgive? And if you are, let's start that journey today. Because I think that is a symptom that will affect your relationship with the Father and will perhaps stop you living in that communion with him. And the other thing I want to kind of invite us to think about is, have we actually accepted our identity as the adopted children of a good father? I want to read these words in Galatians. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. 
So also when we were underage and in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world, but when the set time had fully come, the father sent a son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons and daughters. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit is calling you out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, you are God's child. And since you are God's child, you are also an heir. I wonder this morning, are, is there, are there people in the room and you haven't actually accepted fully that that is your identity? that you're a daughter and a son of the king, and in that you're an heir. And so I would like us to stand, I would like the band to come back, and we're gonna respond to that. When I have been thinking about this, I've thought, you know, and what I hope you've taken from this is that the constant conversation. Brother Lawrence said, I have abandoned all particular forms of devotion, all prayer techniques. My only prayer practice is attention. I carry on a habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God that fills me with overwhelming joy. And so this morning, as we come to end and we come to the table to remind ourselves of who we are, I want us to pause and think, are you here this morning and and there's someone in your life, in your present or in your past, and you're choosing to keep them clicking at your ankles because you're choosing not to forgive? And I wonder, are there those of us this morning who are here and you have not fully imbibed the idea, I am the daughter, I am the son of the king, He looks at me and he calls me his beloved. And as I've been talking, I've been thinking about, there's some in the room and you're you're angry. You're fed up. You can't believe the circumstances that you're facing. And as long as you hold on to that anger, healing will not come. The anger will become a block to you, not only hearing from God, but being restored and healed and comforted. And so the anger's okay, but just now it might be okay to also set it down. Also say enough. God can take your anger. God can take all of your pain. But you don't need to keep with it. You can set yourselves free. So I'm going to pray over us and then we're going to move into communion and worship. Father, we come in these moments. We come so thankful we come with our hearts open. And some of us, Father, are, are clinging on to anger. And just in these moments, Lord, we ask that you'd take it from us. We give it to you and we say enough. We say, have your way. And Father, some of us are holding on to unforgiveness. Some of us are holding on to the idea that this, I cannot let it go, I cannot give them the gift of forgiveness. And Father, your command is to forgive 70 times seven, to forgive and to forgive as we were forgiven. And so Father, for those of us 
some, some of us are seeing people in our minds that we need to forgive. And Father, we begin that process. We give you our yes and we set ourselves free to live as the beloved. And for those of us who have not fully engaged with this idea that we are your beloved, that we are adopted sons and daughters, Father, come by your spirit, by your beautiful, precious spirit and minister to us and allow us to walk free, to walk new and to walk fresh as the children of a good father and a good God. So come, Lord, as only you can come. Do as only you can do. We give you our yes. And we say, come and minister to us. Amen.